0: September 11th. As we look into the New Testament, our reading today will be from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. We'll read about permission. Just as God permitted Satan to test Job and Peter, so he permitted Satan to attack Paul. God wanted to keep Paul humble after his exciting visit to heaven In the loving will of God, suffering has a purpose that can be fulfilled in no other way. Accept it, and it will become a heavenly blessing. Fight it, and it will become a heavy burden. And we'll read about prayer. Like our Lord in Gethsemane, Paul prayed three times for God to deliver him. But the Lord did not answer that prayer as Paul wanted. However, God did meet the need And gave his servant the grace he required. Paul did not simply make the best of it. No, no, he made the most of it. And grace, God's empowering presence, can do that for you as well. We'll read about perplexity. Paul was concerned more about the sins of the saints than about his own physical problems. Like a loving father, he wanted to go to Corinth and enjoy his dear children. But they were forcing him to discipline them. Yet even discipline is an evidence of love. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, "We must form our estimate of men less from their achievements and failures, and more from their sufferings." And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament, September eleventh, Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verses one through ten. This boasting is also foolish. But let me, Paul, go on. Let me tell about the visions and revelations I received from the Lord. I was caught up into the third heaven fourteen years ago. Whether my body was there or just my spirit, I don't know. Only God knows. But I do know that I was caught up into paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be told. That experience is something worth boasting about, but I am not going to do it. I am going to boast only about my weaknesses. I have plenty to boast about, and would be no fool in doing it, because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it. I don't want anyone to think more highly of me than what they can actually see in my life and my message, even though I have received wonderful revelations from God. But to keep me from getting puffed up, I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from getting proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My gracious favor is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may work through me. Since I know it is all for Christ's good, I am quite content with my weaknesses and with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You can't
1: put Jesus Christ on a shelf with all the other prophets and wise sages and religious leaders. He will not stay on that shelf. He's either way above them or way below them because of the nature of his claims. What do I mean? I'll go... when you read the Gospels accounts of Jesus, it's just astounding, not so much the direct claims, sometimes the indirect things that most hit me. You know, there's a place in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus is talking to his disciples about demon possession, and they were talking about people they saw who had demons, and he's talking about demons, and suddenly Jesus, this is in Luke 10, suddenly Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. What? he's having this conversation with his disciples says yeah i was there before the creation of the material universe and i saw lucifer go bad what a sight matthew 23 goes on it's almost an offhanded comment in matthew chapter 23 verse 34 jesus says i keep sending you prophets wise men and teachers what Notice he doesn't say, God. Has, I am a great wise man, I am a teacher, I am a great prophet, and God has sent me. No, he says, I am the force behind the universe that's been sending all the prophets and the wise men and the teachers and the religious leaders. What? You read any of the prophets in the Bible, read Isaiah or Jeremiah, any of the prophets, and they're always saying, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. This is not my idea, they say, thus saith the Lord. Jesus never stoops as low as to say that. Do you realize that? Never does Jesus say, Thus saith the Lord. Never. All he ever says is, Truly, truly, I say unto you. Jesus Christ's consciousness of being the transcendent, uncreated, the transcendent, uncreated, beginningless God of the universe, it permeates everything he says. It's behind everything he does. It's on every page such that you can't extricate his teaching about love or ethics as you know from it anyway because everything he teaches is based on that self-understanding and what does that mean he can't be on the shelf he's either way above them or way below them Uh, uh, N.T. Wright put it this way very well he says how can you live with a terrifying thought that the hurricane has become human that the fire has become flesh that life capital L itself has walked into our midst Christianity either means that or it means nothing. It is the most devastating disclosure of the deepest reality in the world or it is a sham, a total nonsense. Most people, unable to cope with saying either of those two things, are condemned to live in the shallow world in between. And that's exactly right. Most people cannot cope with saying either of those two things, and yet those are the only two things that you can say if you have even a shred of intellectual, spiritual, moral or emotional integrity. Why? When you read the Bible and you read, his, read Jesus' sayings, read Jesus' words, read Jesus' deeds, when you see that, how can you call that wicked a sham? I mean, it's too nice. But you see, if it's true, then you have got to throw everything in your life down at his feet and say, command me either it is a sham, either he is wicked, either he is a lunatic, or else every particular of your life has to revolve around here, him, and there is nothing in the middle. There is no other position with regard to him that has any integrity at all, and almost nobody can cope with either of the only positions that have integrity. All most of us are right in the middle, and as N.T. Wright says, what a shallow place to be.
0: Psalm 55, verses 1 through 23. You know, troubles around him, terrors within him, and treachery next to him combined to make David wish he could get away from it all. Ever felt that way? It was not easy being God's anointed king, for with the privileges came great burdens and responsibilities, and God's enemies became David's enemies. Leadership is not easy. David wanted wings like a dove, so he could fly away from the storm. What he really needed were wings like an eagle, so he could fly above the storm. How do you get those? (laughs) Well, By going into the Holy of Holies, under the shadow of His wings. When you call on the Lord and cast your burdens on Him, He enables you to overcome. You cannot fly beyond the storm because you'll find problems everywhere. But you can fly above the storm. God permits the burdens you face today to help you win your wings. Psalm 55, verses 1 through 23. For the choir director, the Psalm of David. To be accompanied by stringed instruments. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me, hunting me down in their anger. My heart is in anguish. The terror of death overpowers me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. Oh, how I wish I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away, to the quiet of the wilderness, how quickly I would escape, far away from this wild storm of hatred. Destroy them, Lord, and confuse their speech. For I see violence and strife in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders. But the real danger is wickedness within the city. Murder and robbery are everywhere there. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Let death seize my enemies by surprise. Let the grave swallow them alive for evil makes its home within them. But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I plead aloud in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. He rescues me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me. Even though many still oppose me, God, who is king forever, will hear me and will humble them. For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. As for this friend of mine, he betrayed me. He broke his promises. His words are as smooth as cream, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Give your burdens to the Lord, and He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. But you, O God, will send the wicked down to the pit of destruction. Murderers and liars will die young, but I am trusting you to save me. Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5 Don't weary yourself trying to get rich. Why waste your time? For riches can disappear as though they had the wings of a bird.